Hello everyone and welcome to the Lifestyle Med Pod, a brand new podcast and YouTube mini-series brought to you by the wonderful people at Meliora Medical Group. Um, my name is Jordan Lewis and I'll be going on this journey through lifestyle medicine with you. A um, bit of background about myself, I am head of PSHEE at an independent boys school in London, so that's, um, for those not in the know, that's personal social health and economic education. And I am what I would describe as a lifestyle medicine enthusiast without really having much uh, background or expertise. Luckily, I'm joined by Dr. Alex Maxwell, who is the medical director of the Meliora Medical Group. Alex, how are you? I'm very good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thanks very much for being here. Um, do you want to just tell the folks a little bit about yourself, what makes you so brilliant, and uh, what lifestyle medicine actually is? <laughs> um, so I don't think I could ever call myself brilliant, but um, yeah, so I'm, um, I'm a GP. Um, I'm a sports doctor, so I do um, pitch side stuff and concussion assessments, and then I'm a lifestyle doctor as well. So generally, um, the best way of thinking about lifestyle medicine is it's exactly what it sounds like. It's using your lifestyle factors to make your health as good as possible. So that's things like your sleep, so we're talking about that today, yeah. about um, physical activity, what you eat, the relationships you forge, making sure you're looking after yourself um, in every way. And I think it's important to mention that all of that is based on science, it's not hocus pocus, it's another medical specialty like any other. Awesome, so all evidence-based. Um, so as you say, we're talking about sleep today. Now I must admit, I've never really given sleep much thought. You kind of go to sleep because you're tired, you sleep, you wake up, you repeat. Yeah. What are we going to be talking about today and what are you going to be actually teaching us? Yeah, and that's the great thing, isn't it? Because one of the things that I really like about lifestyle medicine and, and learning in general is you can always take it to the next level. And actually, one of the things I do on a day-to-day -day basis is looking at what people are doing in their lifestyle factors, and we're talking about sleep today, and personalizing that using the evidence that I understand to improve a few little factors for them that actually can really help their quality of life and their quality of sleep. And it's amazing actually what we're going to be talking about today is just a bit of background about sleep. Um, I, put, I always put a little picture of a baby in every time I talk about sleep probably because I like the photo. I don't know. I hope it is a very cute photo. It's a super cute photo. Um, so I've uh, over the last kind of six years that I've been doing presentations on sleep I always keep this picture in just because it makes me chuckle um but yeah what we're going to talk about is um, a bit of background on sleep uh what are the benefits actually um and really nailing down what you know what you can benefit from improving your sleep quality um and then we're going to talk about how to help it because there's no point knowing what you can do without being able to get there um and um giving some tips general tips obviously i can't give personalized tips in this but um one of the great things is if you you know if you come and talk to me i can give you specific advice um, and then a bit of a summary about it, because you always need a summary to recap. Um, and then quite a few resources out there that I put people to in my day-to-day -day job so that you can find out some of this information yourself and learn how to improve your own health through kind of learning a bit more about yourself and things. Awesome. Sounds great. Um, so what are we starting with? Um, so a bit of background. Do you know what makes us tired? Work. Work, yeah. exercise. Again, as I say, I've never really thought about it. You just, you get tired and you sleep. Right. That's why I'm so much looking forward to this. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting, actually. One of the things about um, all of this is when you start questioning what actually happens, we think, mm. well, actually, why do I get tired? So there's two reasons why you get tired. The first is something called your circadian rhythm. I think quite a few people will have heard of that. 
what it really means is the natural rhythm and varying of your hormones throughout the day. So melatonin is the sleepy hormone. Mm -hmm. That one goes up at night and then comes down as you sleep. And then cortisol is your um, arousal hormone, is your kind of being awake and active hormone. Um, now, if it's too high, it, it can be due, due to stress and other, other conditions as well. So it's, it's a balance that we all need to strike. So yeah. cortisol is highest in the morning. So that, you know, kind of eight o'clock kind of time you, you start to wake up. Um, and melatonin's highest, you know, just before you go to bed or as, as you're initially asleep at kind of a bit before midnight. So that's the first thing that makes us tired. There's also another thing. There's something called adenosine. Now, adenosine is just a little compound um, that um, gradually builds up throughout the day during you doing things, and then sleep gradually gets rid of it. So it's a bit like melatonin almost, but it kind of mirrors melatonin, but it comes along through activity. And, being okay. and then you gradually get rid of it when you sleep. Now, that's important to remember when we talk about a few things like caffeine, and I'll explain that why. Um, yeah. So Ooh. that's what makes us tired. Um, excellent. Now, when we sort of spoke before, we spoke about sleep stages. Mm. I have never thought about sleeping in stages. I've heard of REM, yeah. just like most people, you know, I actually had to look up, you know, you hear about the band and then you look it up and you know, oh, rapid eye movement, mm. but I have no idea about stages of sleep. So what are these stages of sleep and why is each one so important? Yeah, and that, that's a really good question because actually there's a, a little bit more detail to it. Like you're talking about, you know, you don't just kind of switch off and then switch on again. Yeah. What, used to, what we used to think is that sleep was a very inactive state, but it's actually a very active state. Um, not okay. necessarily muscles, but your brain in particular is, can be very active during sleep. Um, so there's two main types of sleep stages. There's rapid eye movement, like you're talking about, and non-rapid eye movement. Now, the ones that I think are very easy to understand is, if you look at this, this is a little graph. Um, what it describes, you've got time on the bottom axis, and then on the y-axis, on the vertical one, you've got your level of um, where you're at. Mm -hmm. So you're awake on that left-hand side. I don't know if you can see my mouse. Yeah. So you're awake on that left-hand side. Then you go to bed, and hopefully nice and quickly, um, you go quite quickly down to light sleep. And that's that sleep that, you know, you kind of, you, you can wake up really quickly from. It's that slightly surreal in-between moment where you're kind of asleep, but you're still aware of your surroundings. Yeah. The one that you kind of wake your grandparents up from, that they kind of come mm -hmm. up quickly and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm awake, I'm awake. Um, A little snooze. Yeah, very light snooze. Um, but you can still hear things, you're still kind of aware of what's going on. Um, you go quite quickly down into stage two. So it's, it, there used to be four stages, but they've put three and four together. So now there's just three. Yes. Um, so stage two is like, you're definitely asleep. You're much less aware of your surroundings. Your body starts to cool down, um, which is an important point that we can come to later, because you really need to be able to cool down to sleep. Um, and your heart rate slows, your breathing slows, you start to calm down. Um, and you're really starting to be properly asleep then. So if you were to wake someone up from that, they'd be a bit more groggy. Mm -hmm. um, then quite quickly go into deep sleep. And that's the old stage three and four. So that's N3 now, we call it stage three. Um, that's proper, you're asleep. And it's really hard to wake someone from stage three sleep. They are 
nice and cool, you know, not cold, but just a couple yeah. of degrees cooler. They are very, very at their slowest heart rate, at their slowest breathing rate, muscles paralyzed. So, you you know, if you startle someone and they come out of that, that's when their muscles are paralyzed. Yeah. Um, they're, they're getting a lot of um, growth hormone. So their muscles are repairing. They're getting a lot of recovery. Physical, in particular, recovery happens in deep sleep. Um, so you can see that you kind of go back up to two, then you go down to three, and then you go back up to um, something called REM. Then you go down to deep sleep. And I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of your deep sleep happens in the earlier parts or the kind of beginning start of, the, um, of your time of sleep. Yeah. Whereas, we'll talk about REM sleep, that happens more in the later part of the night. So you can imagine if you don't sleep very well initially, but then you sleep later, you're going to get more REM sleep. Or if you were to wake up too early every day, you would miss out your REM sleep. Do you see? So you kind yeah. of, if you're, yeah. if you're missing deep sleep if you go to sleep um, later, and you're missing REM sleep if you wake up too early. And that actually has got, uh, that does have consequences. So talking about REM sleep, REM sleep is where you're much more alert. It's pretty much like being awake, but you're asleep. So your eyes are moving really quickly, you're breathing and your muscles are twitching and you're a lot more active. And during that time, if you think about deep sleep being a bit more physical recovery, in simple terms, REM sleep is a bit more like brain recovery. So you're doing things like memory consolidation, so putting together pruning memories you don't want. Mm -hmm. um, so an interesting thing actually, if REM sleep is dealing with emotion and memory and kind of recovering your brain, People with post-traumatic stress disorder, there's a big association with them missing REM sleep. It's how you kind of deal with your emotional events. Wow. So, yeah, so if you try and help that, then you can help people recover from, from REM sleep. And actually, there's been good studies that show that people who have psychosis, you know, like schizophrenia yeah. or bipolar, things like that, if they have psychosis, it's precipitated by poor sleep very well associated and we know it's difficult to sleep if you're stressed and if you're depressed yeah, or of course, yeah. they're both related and both affect one and the other so it's something really really important and again i will talk about substances like alcohol people often mm -hmm. sleep well we can talk about that in a bit but it affects a certain part of your sleep that is the worst part that you would often want to be affecting if you were drinking alcohol so, so wow so a beginner's guide then really each sort of you know, stage of your sleep serves a different purpose, would you say, or like helps to regenerate a different thing? And if you're not getting all of those sort of different stages in, then you're actually not, your sleep is not doing for you what it could be doing. Exactly. Um, and that's why, you know, there's different types of insomnia. People struggle to get to sleep or people wake up too early. Mm. That's why both sides, as you say, are just as important. One isn't necessarily more important that you could debate a lot about that. Yeah. Um, but if you stop people from sleeping in certain areas, so you wake them up at four o'clock every day in the morning, when they next sleep, they'll have a lot more REM sleep. So your brain kind of knows what it needs and it does a bit extra of the thing yeah. that it needs. It's fascinating. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, so to get all of these stages in, how long do you need to sleep? Obviously, like your parents have always said to you, you need to get your eight hours, so important to get your eight hours. But then you hear, you hear sort of stories and sort of myths about, I always think about like Margaret Thatcher, they say Margaret Thatcher used to sleep for four hours a night. Is that possible or was she actually 
doing some quite serious harm to her body by doing that. So in today's modern society, we've for some reason decided that it's not cool or it's 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 good not to sleep to push through mm. yeah, yeah the, the, the 5am club who, who get up at 5am and start the day right and all that yeah, exactly that, like yuppie group you know they're kind yeah. of really like don't sleep sleep for the week you know <laughs> unfortunately it's just not the case um and actually yeah you, there is great evidence and we can talk about the benefits of sleep and the harms of not um in a in, a, in the next slide actually but it, you do serious, there are serious consequences to not sleeping. And although you can get by not sleeping as much, you are, there is detriment, um, definitely. And, and very few people can survive without, you know, good, robust sleep, without any consequences. Um, so I think we all know that little ones need more than we do. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, we're focusing more on adults and teens today. Um, but generally, it, you know, you start off needing almost all all the day being asleep um actually is an interesting tidbit you know when women are pregnant and their babies and they're like oh they're very active because they're kicking yeah yeah so when we're asleep our muscles get kind of turned off so we don't move very much even though there's electrical activity mm -hmm. babies don't have that or fetuses don't have that set up yet um and actually they're asleep for 22 hours of the, of the time of their day maybe even more depending on how um how far along they are and it's only just before they give birth that they even start to not be asleep for most of the time. Wow. And actually, when they're kicking, it's because they're asleep and because they haven't got that muscle turn off. Um, <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> you can, Great yeah, little yeah. fact to take away from this. If that's the only thing you yeah. take away, that'll impress people. Yeah, so the, if, if a mum's like, oh, she's so active, you can be like, well. Nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so you gradually need less and less sleep. Um, the old adage of about eight hours is, is spot on for adults, um, mm -hmm. maybe seven to eight. Um, but generally, the older you are, the less you need. But I think I'm, it's important to remember that if you are an older adult, the, it is a myth that you need much less. You still need a good amount of sleep. The fact that a lot of people don't get it um, is a consequence of all sorts of things like mm -hmm. weaker bladder and um, and right, yeah. and, and you know conditions or discomforts and 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 a few other things. But generally, you still do need a good amount of sleep, and it is good for you to sleep as an older adult. For example, it does help with your memory and all those things. Um, so teenagers need about eight to ten hours. Interestingly, teenagers. Their circadian rhythm, that rhythm that we were talking about, yeah. for adults, you want to go to sleep at about 10 or 11 o'clock. For teenagers, it's actually a bit later. So they want to stay up until about 12. And then they want to wake up about 10. So we're making them go to school. I was about to say, yeah. So we're doing them a disservice, really, aren't we? We're, we're sort of asking them to be, to be ready and alert and ready to learn at 8 o'clock when actually, yeah. biologically... It's just not the case. No, so that's the same as us being asked to wake up at five o'clock and go and learn at six. So although, yeah, they probably could spend a little less time on play on the PlayStation on Snapchat, yeah. um, you know, and looking at phones before bed. We'll talk, you know, we're going to talk about that in a bit. But actually, to be fair to them, making the school day a bit later might actually help their help their memory. And a little thing. bit of slack. Mm, yeah, a little bit, a little bit, not too much. Tiny bit, yeah, not too much. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, about seven, eight hours for most of us and maybe a, another couple for teens. Um, so yeah, 
benefits of sleep. Why, why do we do it? This is, the, this is the, the big thing. We know about our stages. We know how long we need, but why do we need it? And we never really question it, do we? Like, you know you need food because if you don't have food, you'll die. And we know we need water. Mm. But very rarely, I know personally, have I have a question like, why do I need this? What, what benefits are serving me? Right. So interestingly, you mentioned food and water there because actually that's a good analogy. If you don't have food, you know, how long can we live for? It depends how big you are in the context, but generally it's about, you know, a month and a half. Yeah. Um, water, it's about three or four days, again, depending on how hot it is and how much you're losing, etc. Sleep, interestingly, is not far off. Now, it's quite hard because you can't really ethically test this and neither should you. <laughs> and there are conditions that mean that you can't sleep. Um, and... You, you, you die from that, you get dementia and you die. So they're very rare and generally not necessarily what would happen to normal people if they couldn't sleep, because it's a condition. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I would put sleep in about the same order as food. Um, so if you don't sleep, I mean, it's slightly morbid, but if you were to not sleep and not allow someone to sleep, and they have done this to rats, which is quite sad, isn't it? But yeah. um, they died and they died from infections. Okay. So it shows just how important it is to your immunity, at least. Mm -hmm. um, but there's so many benefits to, to sleep. And actually, if you really look at how many benefits there are, you realise that it's sleep that allows us to be healthy, not anything else. Because without it, all that learning you were to do, you wouldn't put those memories down properly. All that activity you did, all the, all the exercise, you wouldn't recover from it. So it'd be pointless without sleep. So it is the kind of the thing that allows you to improve. In every it ties everything, ties everything together. Exactly. Without sleep, it's all loose ends. Right, exactly. It ties it together. It's a very good way of putting it. So thinking physically, for example, um, it helps you with your weight. Um, helps you with your diet. So if you don't sleep, you're much more likely to make... Um, maybe not quite so healthy food choices you know mm -hmm. um, they did a study where they deprived people of sleep and um a group they didn't and then they put them in a room and said have a chat that there was food available and the people so or, or always the sneaky psychological testing yeah <laughs> and, and um the uh, people who hadn't slept uh, ate the more fatty and sugary foods more processed foods and, and more of it as well significantly more calories um Interestingly, it affects your um, hormones so much that it can help acne if you sleep well um, and improve, improve your skin. Is that where beauty sleep comes from? Or have I just made that up totally? Yeah, literally. Got to get getting your beauty sleep. Got to get your beauty sleep. Well, that's a particularly good one for, uh, for all of our teenagers. Yeah. Listening, so hopefully. Better skin, sleep better. Absolutely. And we can help them do that with the next couple of slides, can't we? Um, yeah. Also, like I was talking about, it helps you manage emotion and manage stress um, so, and really helps your mental health. So, you know, you really can't underestimate how powerful sleep is um, mentally and physically, you know, especially again, we're talking about teens. They've got exams coming up or they've got mm -hmm. school. Yeah. You put down memories and you learn new skills by sleeping. So, again, they did a study where they got people to learn um, a combination of sequences a bit like on the piano you know like a, a combination of notes yeah and then they got them to sleep or just got them to wait two different groups and then they retested them the ones who'd had a nap and had slept 
had consolidated those memories, had kind of acquired those memories and were much better at playing it next, next time they tested them later that evening or the next morning. I can't remember the study exactly. So demonstrating that it's not the learning, it's the sleep. Again. Yeah, so pulling an all-nighter is just not the answer. Oh man, I mean in medical yeah. school, you know, I was never that guy that pulled all-nighters. Me and my friends, we, we would work for, my friends and I would work for five hours a day and then go and kick a ball about or chill for the rest of the day. Yeah. Eat properly, look after yourselves. And then there's the other group that would be on Red Bull and, you know, pulling all-nighters and they'd turn up to the exam, they'd look dreadful. You know, there's caffeine again we'll get onto that yeah shortly but yeah so yeah the benefits of, of sleep are numerous there's so many to mention it reduces yeah. the chance of getting cancers many cancers for yeah. example the midwives i think successfully sued the nhs in um, the 80s for their increased incidence of breast cancer because their shift pattern was not in line with the evidence for being bad for you so it's it's a big deal sleep is yeah all huge happen. yeah so yeah, talking about this is the million dollar question. Yeah. This is what everyone wants to know. If you had an answer for this and bottle it, which people do try and do, um, how can I help my sleep? How can I sleep better? This is something that I definitely need to pay attention to at the moment in particular. Yeah, it's particularly difficult during COVID and that's because your natural routine's been affected. You're probably not spending as much time outside, maybe, yeah. maybe not doing as much exercise. I mean, you know, not you know, everyone generally, their routine's been quite affected, hasn't it? So sleep has been a real problem during COVID. So yeah. I've come up with a few, you know, I say I've come up with, I've identified a few big areas that I think are the most bang for buck. Um, okay. So I wanted just to talk a few, you know, through a couple of them um, and explain why I think they're important. So your personal factors. There are things you can't change, like your, whether you're male or female, um, you know, genetically, whether mm -hmm. or um, social situation could be very challenging to change. Um, you know, you've yeah. got a new baby. Well, good luck to you. You know, yeah. as much as you can, and try and optimize your environment and things you can control. But if you've got a new baby, you're gonna have to wake up. If you've got yeah. three people in the same bedroom because that's how many bedrooms you've got, again, you're gonna find it challenging. So it's remembering to work on what you can control. But the other personal factors that you can control, things like your weight. Your weight very, very closely associated to how well you sleep. You know, people snore um, if they're often, often if they're overweight um, or if they've had a few too many, um, yeah. then you don't sleep as well. Um, and there is a condition called obstructive sleep apnea. And what that is, is you have pauses as well. So if you are overweight and you have pauses in your sleeping that someone else mentions or, or you yourself notice you're waking up gasping for air, go and talk to your GP. I've put a score, a scoring system at the end of the presentation that uh, you can ask for if you want, um, that will allow you to go to the GP with a score that shows you that you, you, know, you are a bit too sleepy because you're not sleeping well. And as a GP, I'd love to see you because it's really important, it affects your health. Um, other things, your stress and your mental health, Mm -hmm. so make sure that you're looking after yourself you're going to therapy and counseling if you need it you're making sure you're offloading to your close trusted friends and family you're exercising gently you know getting outside you're looking after your mental health through meditation and being mindful of what you're going through Give, cutting yourself some slack it can make a huge amount of difference to your uh, sleep Those can your can I ask can your mental health affect the quality of your sleep Yes. So I, 
I think, you know, everyone's going through quite a difficult period at the moment. And, you know, whether you realise it or not, people's levels of anxiety, I'm sure, are much higher and things like that. Um, I personally, not to focus on myself too much, I find that I'm, I'm sleeping okay, but when I wake up in the morning, I still feel tired, even if I'm getting my eight hours and I feel like I'm getting a good amount of time. Can your mental health have an effect on that to the quality of sleep that you're getting? Yeah, in a nutshell, absolutely. I mean, if you think about it in um, kind of hormonal context, it's just one of them. Actually, let me put it in a, in a bit more of a, an analogy. So okay. back in the day, if you're in the cave, when you're a caveman, and you're worried that there's a lot of predators around, mm-hmm. You're going to sleep deeply or lightly? Yeah, you're going to sleep lightly, aren't you? Because you need to keep an eye out for something coming to eat you. Yeah. So in today's long-term stress world, if we are a bit more anxious, you know, we're generally a bit more um, vigilant um, yep. and a bit less rest and digest and relax and chill and satisfied, we are going to be alert when we're yep. asleep um, because we can't relax because it's dangerous because dying trumps sleeping well mm-hmm. so that's the analogy so definitely explains a lot and you can do you know you can help that through exercise counseling and therapies if you need them sometimes medicines can help and you know sleep problems are a big um mental health indicator you know if you're really struggling with anxiety for example during the day you're often not going to be sleeping that well mm-hmm. um and it doesn't have to be that you've got anxiety as a condition but it just can be an indicator of your general stress level. Yeah. So all sorts of personal factors, focusing on the ones you can control, I think the most important. Yeah. And the good old substance. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So I've kept away from the harder stuff um, because I think if you are, you know, struggling with drugs like heroin and cocaine and methamphetamine and things like that, I think you, you've often got bigger issues than your sleep in the yeah. term but it is something that you very much can help and, and have support with. Um, because often people who struggle with their mental health or, or with substances request medicines to help them sleep. And the problem is, so substances like drugs that help you sleep that people ask for, they don't necessarily help your sleep quality. And the trouble, right. you know, the trouble is that often doctors will give you some because we're trying to help, but it's often not the right thing. Um, and there are things that we can do, and I'll talk you through through them in a bit. That are much more effective, much okay. more effective. So caffeine, caffeine, delicious. Bust the myth right now. Caffeine, caffeine makes you less tired. True or false? Yeah, it does. Um, however, it's kind of false energy. So the way caffeine works, it's delicious, right? I love a coffee. I think yeah, it, yeah. Actually, it's good for you. It is actually good for you. It lowers your incidence of um, tummy cancers, you know, kind of intestinal cancers. It's quite good for your heart as long as you don't have too many. Mm-hmm. It's good for you generally. I would yeah. advocate if you tolerate it, people have it. Um, but the way it works is it blocks adenosine. So you know we were talking about adenosine being building up. Yeah, at the start, yeah. Well, it basically makes you not listen to the tired. It just kind of muffles. Okay. Yeah, hands over the ears. Yeah, so it's not free energy. It actually just makes you not listen to the tired. So that's still there, but you just can't hear it. Yeah, no, no, la, 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 not listening to the fact I'm tired. And you can't do that forever. And actually, the adenosine is still there, so you can't get rid of it. It doesn't get rid of it. So sleep is the way that you get rid of it. So, yeah, my advice for caffeine is have it before midday because it lasts for about six, seven hours in your body. 
Right. So if you were to have one at four o'clock, say, which a lot of people do, or even before bed, you wouldn't, most people wouldn't have a coffee an hour before they went to bed, right? A small coffee. Yeah. But that's the same as having a big coffee at four because the amount is still in your system. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, now, alcohol. Again, delicious. Drink responsibly, but it's, it's delicious and I think we all enjoy it. Um, Sends you to sleep? It does, but it knocks you out. It's a sedative, but it's, yeah. not, but it's not. So that it doesn't help you sleep effectively. And actually, in particular, it lowers your REM sleep. Right. So that's memories, that's emotion, that's all of those things. If you're depressed and you're, or anxious and you're drinking to treat that feeling of sadness or just, you know, distract yourself or calm yeah. yourself if you're anxious or stressed after a long day, processing those emotions will be affected by sleep. So if you stop yourself processing it during the, de during the night, how mm -hmm. do you deal with it the next day? So you get yourself into a bit of a cycle. I describe alcohol to my patients as a substance that borrows happiness from tomorrow. Definitely can agree with that. With uh, When you get a hangover or anything like that, it's just... Yeah. yeah, totally. And there's nothing wrong with drinking if you want to every now and then, and we all do it for social events and all that rest of it. But just being mindful of what it is is quite a harmful substance. And um, having one or two every now and then is fine. If you're having quite a few, it, and especially if you're using it to help anxiety or depression, yeah. if you're in depression, you're, you're already in a happiness debt. Don't add to that with alcohol. Um, really affects your sleep quality, and in particular, you know, the REM sleep, so the emotion and memories. And so you can get into a real sticky wicket. I think that's a really brilliant way of, of putting it, borrowing happiness from tomorrow. Yeah. It's brilliant. I think if more people thought about it like that, particularly like you say, if you're already in a happiness debt or anything like that, you know, it's only going one way. Yeah. It's a really great way of putting it. Yeah. So, you know, you wouldn't borrow more money if you were. Yeah. Um, nicotine. People are probably don't think they realize how much nicotine affects your sleep. So if you're having a cigarette before you go to bed, you're not going to sleep well at all. It probably wires you up, increases your blood pressure and your heart rate. People think that it relaxes them. Yeah, actually, they're just constantly a bit more wired and it takes them down a little bit to where they should be in terms of their feeling. But actually, what's happening in the body is it's ramping things up and it affects your sleep quality as well. So definitely something to think about. And then... And sugar? Yeah, yeah I'm not vilifying sugar. because I think a lot of people vilify sugar. It's probably got its place and I wouldn't recommend it as a food because it's poor quality. It hasn't got many nutrients and minerals. Yes. And it's got calories, obviously, because it's, it's a carbohydrate. But I wouldn't vilify any food substance. You know, sugar causes cancer, all this kind of stuff. I think we need to be a bit cautious about making anything the villain. Yeah. However, it's pretty low down on the quality quantity ratio, isn't it? Now, I put that as a thing to prompt me to talk about food because essentially food's super important as well. And if you're eating crap, you know, if you're eating really bad quality food, highly processed, you know, lots and lots of saturated fat, lots and lots of sugary substances yeah. before bed, you won't sleep as well. Um, and also, you're, if you're full, regardless of how good the food is, you won't sleep well either. So not having too heavy a meal before bed and not too soon before bed is a good idea. Okay. So what sort of time would be a good time to eat your food then? Because obviously we see on the continent in Europe, 
people eat later and later and later and yeah is that because they go to sleep later or are they just getting it wrong no absolutely i mean it's all about your rhythm so they often have a, a siesta don't they um, yeah and then they go to bed a bit later um, and also they have tapas so they don't necessarily eat as much in one mm -hmm. go so very personal but generally you know your stomach empties after a couple of hours maybe a bit quicker depending on what it is but if you think about eating, you know, two or three hours before you go to bed. Yeah. Um, and bearing in mind, I can ask, ask anyone if they were to ask me that question themselves. When do you feel like you're comfortable again after eating? You know, A, don't eat so much that you feel too full. <laughs> and B, when do you feel comfortable? You know, because if, it's, if it's, it takes you three hours, then bingo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And don't be too hungry as well. That's a good point. Yeah, and, okay, the other and, side of the coin. Animals that are uh, constantly underfed, and humans in, indeed, are they don't sleep as much because, again, you know, hunter-gatherer, they need to find food, they don't need to sleep. Yep. Um, so that increases their, you know, physiological arousal, their kind of alertness. Um, so, yeah, having a, there's nothing wrong with having a bit of food before bed if you're hungry. Just make sure it's not too heavy and you tolerate it well. Okay. We talked about substances. Now the big old, big old light. Light. Yeah, this is, this is the big one. This is the one that everyone talks about. Oh, you're not sleeping because you're getting too much blue light. Yeah, yeah. And that True. is it in a nutshell. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. All this technology we've created, the light spectrum that it uses is very high intensity blue light. Yeah. Um, so the actual light itself is, is much more blue, much less natural light, much, much less broad spectrum. Now the sun... Interesting, if you go outside, at the right time, light is brilliant because it really positively affects your, um, your ability to sleep. So you have to think about light in the right context. During the day, you want good quality, nice, natural light. Yep. The reason for that is the retina at the back of your eye senses and a little thing in your brain called the suprachiasmatic nucleus, just a little area in the brain, gets told oh, you've had this much light today. And you go, oh, that's, oh, that's, that's a good amount of light. Okay, yeah. fine. Then what happens at night when it's dark, light is not so good. You want it dark. So a little bit of light is okay. But a lot of light inhibits the amount of melatonin that you produce. And melatonin obviously makes you sleepy. Mm -hmm. So if it's dark during the day and light at night, your melatonin gets suppressed, you don't get sleepy, and it stops you sleeping as well. So you want it light during the day, really bright light as well, because indoors, even you know, quite bright indoor lights, are 10, 100 times less bright than sunlight. Right. That's why if you've been outside in the sun, and then you go inside, you realize how dark and gloomy it is, but mm -hmm. our eyes are really good at adjusting. Um, so really, really light in the day, you know, don't look at the sun, obviously. Um, <laughs> medical advice. Yeah, uh, very good. Yeah. But then at night, you want it as dark as possible. Now, the reason you want good quality light in the day is because of that range I was explaining. If it's nice and broad, rather than little, because you've only had indoor light, what that means is at night, the amount of light that you get is a bigger proportion if you've only had indoor light, and it suppresses your melatonin loss. Whereas if you've had lots of light, that as a percentage when you're in your dark room is a much smaller amount. So it mm -hmm. suppresses it less. 
So every day you set your scale for light, and that means how much light actually impacts on you when, when you're trying to go to sleep. So I explain that. Yeah, totally, totally. And I'd never really thought about that. Natural light is sort of what we need. We need to be outside. But then this artificial light that we're getting from phones, same from TVs. A lot of people have TVs in their bedroom now, exactly the same. Yeah, very similar. Any kind of nut, yeah. like, you want your room as dark as possible, basically. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, I guess, you know, the monster under the bed will understand. Um, <laughs> so what you're trying to do is avoid light when you're trying to go to sleep because it suppresses melatonin. So for the hour before you're going to bed, less technology, preferably none. And if you are going to use it, put it on the red shift on your phone, that, you know, that you can change it to a more red and darker color. So it affects your, your light. Um, is, that, is that a setting you can put on phones? Yeah, red shift or no night mode, or it depends on. Okay, yeah, I've seen night mode, so just put that on if you need to use it. Yeah, and you'll notice it will go more red. Okay. Right, more red. And that suppresses, because blue light suppresses melatonin the most, because um, it's the highest energy. Well, that's something that people can do sort of immediately, sort of starting from tonight, if you want to get better sleep habits. If you need to be on your phone, put yeah. that night mode on the redshift. Absolutely. And that's why people wear those blue blocking glasses. Um, yeah. I don't know if there's great evidence around it yet, because they've not been around for a long time, but in principle it works. You're just blocking out and making it a little darker. Um, so yeah, that's actually in one of my top tips is the get your light right. Okay. So definitely, definitely. It's a really good thing that you can do. Um, so the other, so we've done personal factors and light. The other thing is exercise. Mm -hmm. So if you were to have really big, do like really vigorous exercise just before bed, it takes you a bit of time to calm down. Yeah. So obviously doing it too much just before bed is not a good idea. Um, doing like a, high intensity interval workout, literally five minutes before you're meant to go to bed. A bit like if you just run away from a lion, you're, yeah. not, you're not gonna be, ah, oh, brilliant, straight off, you know. It all comes back to that sort of, you know, yeah. ancient sort of um, reflexes and yeah. instincts within us, doesn't it? The primal, exactly. Yeah. Mm. But exercise is phenomenally good for you. It regulates your hormones. Um, but, I mean, I could talk about it forever. I, I, love, I love talking about this stuff, but to keep it brief, making sure you're active throughout the day, doing some muscle building exercise, doing some you know, aerobic or longer, kind of lower intensity exercise for a bit longer, really, really helps your quality of sleep. And in particular, I would suggest it comes along with trying to be outside as well, if you can, and that really affects your sleep. And as well, trying to be in nature, if at all possible, because there's quite a few kind of studies suggesting that being in nature affects your mental health and your physical health positively and helps yep. sleep again. So yeah, exercise, not too close to bed and a good amount during the day in simple terms. Perfect. Uh, and then sleep hygiene. Sleep hygiene. Sleep, what is sleep hygiene? We hear loads about hygiene at the moment. It is the sort of big buzzword. Sleep hygiene, when I read through this, I was trying to sort of think of what sleep hygiene could be and all I could come up with was having like a tidy space to sleep. But I imagine it's so much more than that. Yeah, and, and, and it is a part of that because if you feel stressed and worried about your environment, then it will you know, affect your sleep. Sleep hygiene, the easiest way of thinking about it is, is tidying up your routine. Okay. So it's kind of the routine and the environment that you sleep in and tidying them up. That's why it's hygiene. 
So you're trying to sleep as effectively as possible. You're not trying to be in bed for a long time when you're not asleep. Yep. You're getting up, creating that routine. You're getting up roughly at the same time every day and you're uh, going to bed at the same time every night. Bearing in mind that if you're busy during the week and then you try and catch up on sleep, A, it's not that effective and doesn't really help very much. Mm -hmm. B, actually, interestingly, what happened, well, I think it's interesting. What happens is you, you give yourself what's called social jet lag, where essentially you, you put your circadian rhythm out because you slept for another few hours in the Sunday. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then on Monday, you feel dreadful. So people go, oh my God, I feel awful. It's terrible being Monday. Well, you might have made that yourself a bit, actually. Um, wow. Get up on the, uh, uh, roughly the same, you know, within half an hour or so at the same a time. A little lion, but actually sleeping in on the weekend is not catching up on your sleep and is actually just going to make you feel worse on Monday. That no. Another absolute, absolute golden nugget of information uh, I have no idea about. Very good, yeah. So it's funny, isn't it, how it feels like it's the right thing to do. Mm. But actually, although you are probably catching up a little bit, because you can catch up a little bit, um, it's proper diminishing returns, every, you know, the more days later you do it. And actually, in terms of the consequences on your future quality of sleep and the disruption it creates, it's probably worse than just getting up, you know, at the right time mm -hmm. every day. Um, so having a dark room we talked about with the light, having yeah. a cool room as well, super important. Um, you know, I was talking about your body in those stages of sleep. You, you want to make sure that you're you're able to cool down because your body cools during those couple of, couple of stages. And if it can't, then you won't be able to sleep. And that is why you, you can't sleep very well during summer when yeah. it's hot. But during winter, surprisingly, you get to sleep quite quickly. It's all snugly in bed. and you warm, As soon as you warm up in bed, you're up. And yeah. your body can cool effectively. Um, and also it's the extremities like your feet and things that need to be warm and then able to cool. So that's why if you're a warm person, classically men are hot, aren't they? And yeah, I always get told that. Yeah, Not, yeah. Oh God, I sound like I'm blowing my own trumpet there. No, I'm always like warm, like yeah. a radiator. Yeah, me too. My, my fiance is always, you know, I'm always hot um, and she's always trying to get warmer. Um, yeah. So I poke my feet out, you know, I'm quite tall as well, but I poke my feet out because they're warm. Yeah. Um, and then I cool down and then I go to sleep quite easily. Whereas if you've got cold feet, you need to be able to be warm to lose heat. So that's why if you've got cold feet, you can't get to sleep. So you don't need to be hot. You just need to be warm to then cool down. To then cool down, okay. Um, and that's what helps. So actually socks or warming your feet up, having a shower or a bath to be warm, to then mm -hmm. be able to lose it, is the thing that will help you sleep. Um, yeah, and no clock watching. So don't put a clock right next to your face, you know, you're yeah. just lying there watching it thinking, oh my God, there's another hour. If I do six hours, I'll have three hours left. And I'm, you know, no maths um, or, or, or sad clock watching. So yeah, I was going to ask you about this. So if, if you're sort of lying in bed and you realise that you can't sleep, like the worst thing to do seems to be to get out of bed because then you're like, well, I'm definitely not going to sleep if I'm not in bed. Mm. But you're saying don't sort of just lay there and clock watch. So what should you be doing? So, yeah, it's a great question, actually. What ends up happening is that you're willing yourself to sleep in bed, but you're awake. Yeah. Now, it's much more effective. Um, most people try to make their sleep length longer to sleep better, right? Yeah. That's the general way that people approach it. But if I generally, I advise that pe people should be approaching it to improve their sleep qualities, their sleep effectiveness, 
rather than sleep length. So sleep quality and effectiveness first. And what I mean by that is you're only really asleep in your bed. And if you're trying to get to sleep for a long period of time, you need to get up because all you're doing is telling your body that it, you're awake in bed. Mm -hmm. So if you're watching TV in bed, if you're reading in bed, maybe reading's okay because you're kind of winding down, um, but only for half an hour or so, not for too long and not during the day when you're awake. Um, don't eat in bed. You do nothing in bed apart from sleep and the other thing that starts with it. Because <laughs> um, otherwise you're just, conditioning yourself we're like pavlov's dog aren't we we just kind of oh this is where i hang out and i'm awake yeah watching a funny movie laughing away i'm all excited well and then suddenly expecting you to be able to sleep so yeah bed is literally just for sleep okay. um, so my advice is if you're struggling to get to sleep like you asked feel free and plan ahead have somewhere that's relaxed with a book or a radio that isn't light and isn't too um exciting and just have a little read of, a, of something have a little listen to something you know just relax do something else for a bit what you're about sit down for a little bit you'll start to feel sleepy then go back to bed and you'll often sleep and it feels counterintuitive because you're getting out of bed mm -hmm. but actually you have to it's a bit difficult initially and you have to accept that it's harder initially but the time that you're in bed, you'll be sleeping. And then you work to bring that out and improve your sleep quality um, yeah. and length. Sorry. I think that's really important. I think that's something that everyone listening or watching can take away, actually, that the sleep quality is much more important than your sleep quantity. Yeah. You know, don't be afraid to get out of bed and do something that's going to improve your sleep quality yeah. for the sake of losing half an hour or 45 minutes or, or something Totally. Like and it, you have to, it's quite difficult initially. So there's something called sleep CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a mm -hmm. well-understood paradigm for helping mental health um, and kind of maladaptive thoughts, thoughts that aren't quite helpful for you. And sleep CBT has been made. And there's some apps in the resource section that you can go through and people that will help guide you through it. And what it actually does, people don't like it initially. And I have to tell them, you're going to find it quite difficult. Because again, it works on improving their sleep quality and effectiveness first, and then makes it longer. So it's definitely important to remember that. Yeah, 100%. So those are the things. Personal factors, substances like exercise and sleep hygiene that can help your sleep and that affect your sleep. So yeah, I mean, we've talked about what sleep is. We've talked about the stages and why you get tired. Some of the benefits, I mean, there's millions. Yeah, um, can talk for ages. But yeah, some of the benefits. Talked about how you can help it, in particular with your personal factors and exercise and light, etc. A um, little bit of a summary. I mean, generally, my top tips. I find, I found, making this presentation, I found this really difficult because every day I talk to people about their sleep and you have to personalise it. Yeah. So. I found it quite difficult because you're always trying to engage with the person you're talking to and give them their tips. But in general, for everyone that I think would affect the most people the most effectively, I tried to come up with three and I couldn't. I had to do four. So we've gone with a, a top four. Yeah. A very um, little seen top four. Yeah. So get light right because it rhymes. 
um, and everyone loves loves a rhyme. But yeah, you get your light right, good amounts during the day of natural light, and then avoid technological light, blue light, especially before bed. Um, you got your wind down routine, and what I mean by that, I guess, is routine in general. So routine: get up at the same time, go to bed at the same time, but make sure that last hour or even half an hour before you go to bed proper is calming not mm -hmm. you're not watching you know the last episode of game of thrones breaking bad the last yeah. dance insert current up-to-date um <laughs> yeah, netflix series here um because you'll just wind yourself up and then it takes a bit more time to calm down again a dark cool room is critical for the reasons i've explained i know i was talking about light at the top a dark cool room is one of the best things that you can do to help your sleep um and then mind your intake and that's food, caffeine, alcohol, etc. Getting, you know, not too heavy meals, not too, not too much caffeine, especially caffeine before midday, I'd suggest, or maybe okay. before two. And alcohol, you know, one or two before bed, that's up to you, but just being aware that it can affect your sleep and is likely to, and then you can adjust your behaviour accordingly. Yeah, I think that's it. I think knowing, knowing the effect it's going to have, and then you can make your own decisions. Obviously, people are going to, have a few too many every now and again and on the nice side, but just knowing, like you say, that that happiness debt, you're borrowing happiness mm. Um, mm. from tomorrow and actually making an informed decision on that. Mm. So yeah, and then there's some resources. I was talking about that Epworth score. If you're having pauses when you're breathing at night, go and see your GP, I want to see you. Yeah. Um, you know, we want to see you and, and help you out. Um, the Sleep Foundation website is fantastic. Um, Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep, is a fascinating, he's a sleep scientist. So I'm a doctor, I'm a GP, a lifetime medic. I take evidence, I read and understand it, and then translate it through to people. That's what yeah. I, this guy is a sleep scientist. He is an expert, beyond expert. Yeah, proper level. And I, you know, I've learned a lot from reading that book a few years ago as I did. And then, you know, you add to it, obviously, as you go through the literature. But this guy is really, 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 uh, someone that I would urge you to check out if you're more interested. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then um, there's an apps library for sleep on the NHS website um, and sleep and tiredness uh, uh, tips on the NHS website there that you can get for free or uh, free on referral, depending on where you are in, in the world. Um, that Or in the UK, definitely you can get it in some areas uh, to help you with that sleep CBT thing I was talking about. There's loads of tips and tricks on the sleep council, sleep, sleepful, um, and the Sleep Foundation. So you could happily learn all you really need to, to be honest, from them. Awesome. Well, Alex, thank you so much. This has been absolutely fascinating. I've learned so much and so many things that I'm going to, um, you know, put into practice to try and improve my sleep quality. And then hopefully the quantity will come. Um, guys, hopefully everyone at home has enjoyed this. Hopefully you've learned a lot. Um, if you've got any questions, then please do just get in touch um, with the Meliora Medical Group. Um, have a Google and see if you can find them. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube, then give us a thumbs up, leave us a nice comment. If you're listening as a podcast, then do leave us a nice review on wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and yeah, and sweet dreams, hopefully. Cheers, guys. Thanks, guys.